This is the Ezra podcast. We need to talk about Thurman versus Barrios and where are we going from there? But let's talk about Thurman Barrios right away. Let's get into it. Thurman, early in the fight, looked sharp. I told you that he was going to be able to take chances, more willing to take chances. That's just his uh, personality. That's his traits in the ring. He was going to take chances more than Barrios was early. Like Barrios was definitely looking to game plan to you know, Bartos kind of needs wants things to be perfect before he does anything, and that's definitely what he was looking for early in this fight was for things to be perfect. And for Thurman, he was just willing to take chances, and he looked pretty damn sharp. He looked good speed. He looked good timing. He had good pop on his punches. Everything I was seeing, his legs, uh, the movement, the bounce, it was all there. Like, everything was Thurman, and it was, uh, it was like a classic vintage Thurman. And Barros looked like, uh, you know, he was struggling with the power. He definitely just didn't have the physical abilities that Thurman had. Couldn't keep up with that at any point of the fight, especially the early rounds. Um, now, I expected Barros to have more success in the middle part of the fight, right? Like a 6, 7, 8. I was expecting him to have more success. Um, it took to the 8th round where he lands a, a vicious body shot on Thurman. And Thurman is just like gasping for air. Like literally takes out his mouthpiece so he can catch some air. Barrios never capitalizes on this though. And I don't know if it's from the damage he had taken and just really zapped his confidence. But that was his opportunity. He ends up hurting him against the body, I believe like in the 10th round, 11th round. And he just never jumps on it. He never wants to take the chance to really win this fight. And I'm not blaming him for that. I'm not saying like, oh, well, he, you know, that's, uh, you know, he's not tough or whatever he'll think. No, I mean, he, he was in a fight and he took some big shots and he, his nose was definitely broken. And maybe just, he didn't see that opening. You know what I mean? Maybe he didn't see that body shot. Because the downstairs didn't even see that body shot, right? They didn't see that that had that effect on him. So maybe he didn't see it. And I didn't really see his corner sound telling him to, you know, go back to the body. They never really did that. Now they did say they apply pressure. Now was the time to apply pressure. And it was because... Yes, Thurman started to look a little vulnerable late. Now, Thurman definitely won this fight by a, a, a wide margin, a very comfortable margin. But you have to realize, like, that shaky part, right, and it's especially against Barrios, it's, it's kind of repeated itself a few times in Thurman's career. Especially he's hurt his body by Pacquiao, hurts his body by Colazzo, hurts his body by Jose Lopez. He's just been hurt to his body a few times. So you have to really add that in. It's like, hey, you know, you came in bit shape, you came in ripped and everything, but for some reason that body is not being able to sustain that damage any better than throughout his whole career. And he looked like timing had went a little bit later. His legs weren't as bouncy as it was uh, later in the fight. And I just think that if Barrios had been a guy that was maybe comfortable at 147, uh, a little more pop, and a little more um, not needing the situation to be perfect, took a little more chances, I think that would have been real danger there. Maybe more of a survival than it would actually end up being just, you know, him kind of playing it safe. But even early in the fight, right, he's still landing, you know, landing the big shots. But even early in the fight, he still kind of feels like he's holding something back to, because it seemed like he could have probably pushed for a finish early. But he never really did, and it seemed like he was kind of like saying, like, you know, save something for the gas tank later. So maybe he saw, maybe, you know, Thurman knows himself better than anyone knows himself, of course. And he, maybe he knows, like, hey, I need to save something for later. I know that I could hit these block walls, and if I hit these block wall, if I hit this wall, I could be in some real trouble. So 
He definitely said the body shot. Maybe he preserved enough energy to withstand that by not, you know, ex- exuding it early in the fight. But it leads to, you know, Thurman getting a decision. And from that point, it's everybody talking about, like, well, where does Thurman go from here? And, the you know, the obvious choices are Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford. And there's a choice out there, right? A third choice that no one was talking about but I, right? No one was bringing it up before this fight or weeks before fight or months before before this fight but me right and that was Keith Thurman versus Tank Davis and that is Tank Davis moving up from 135 when he already moved up to 140 to go into 147 and it's pretty outrageous like on paper I understand especially because Tank is pretty much uh you know kind of undersized 135 or like he's not the biggest 135 in the world and him going to 147 against Keith Thurman who you know has a nickname one time who, you know, way bigger, gonna have more pop in his punch. But I believe there was a reason that Thurman was fighting Barrios. And even if PBC doesn't go this route, I do think they kind of wanted to use as a measuring stick fight for Tank Davis. And maybe let Tank Davis see, like, hey, look, he didn't finish Barrios. You finished Barrios, right? Um, this is how he looked against Barrios. What do you think? And I think that they saw that. And I think that it kind of had to come away with, like, he's vulnerable, right? His body. His body, uh, can't take a body shot. He definitely slows down later in the fight. He's sharp early, but if you can get past that, it's kind of, you know, it really diminished. It really a lot of diminishment from that point on. And even though he was sharp early, he was sharp early against Barrios. Would he be sharp early against Tank? Right? Because he definitely got hit coming in a few times. Now, Barrios didn't have the power to really do anything when he did catch him. But if Tank catches you coming in like that, because especially because Thurman has like a jumping in game like that, like and Tank's timing is perfect and his legs are always balanced and ready to throw a shot. And I'm just like not not breaking down the fight yet, right? Of those two, but I, I kind of favor Tank in that fight. And people think I'm insane to do that, but I favor Tank in that fight. Tank's offense and power, especially because like when power carried at 140, right? And Barrios. Like I said, it, it, sometimes boxing math is not the not the best thing to go by. It's actually could be terrible at times. But the one thing you can't go by is like, what was Tank's power doing to Barrios, and what was Thurman's power doing? And it just seemed like Tank had more, right? When Tank hit him clean, he folded, and when Thurman hit him clean, he would be shook. But definitely wasn't like look like oh the fight's over. No, it was never like that at that point. And I think that Tank needs. Something to, to get him to that like next level of superstar because Tank is a star, but like superstar. We're talking about he's selling over 500k pay per views consistently, right? That the, the fight's always been a guy like Thurman, and as kind of boxing fans know, that 147 is a money division, right? 154, 147, and middleweight and heavyweight are money divisions in boxing. And I think the money team knows that, right? The, the um, Flamir were there and Allerby know that, and they know that. Every guy needs that one name to really send him over the top. And he had uh, Floyd Mayweather with Floyd Mayweather with Delahoya. He had Manny Pacquiao with Delahoya. You have, um, uh, you know, Tyson Larry Holmes. Yeah, Tyson. I want to make sure I'm right on that. Maybe Tyson didn't buy Larry Holmes. Or am I thinking Tyson Leon Speaks? Tyson versus Larry Holmes. I would say, like, if I remember this and it's not a real thing. Yeah, Tyson versus Larry Holmes. I knew that happened. Okay, so, yeah, like, you have those. Every time you have a, 
a guy coming up there, he needs that one fight that kind of like pushes him over the threshold, the threshold to make him a superstar. And I just think that that fight would really do that for Tank. And if Tank loses, like, really, what's the worst that happens right now? You wouldn't want him to get completely slapped. But if he just loses, like, a decision because he can't really take the chances he wants to against Thurman because Thurman's too big, then he just lost a fight where he wants 147. Now, I've seen, you know, we've seen guys' careers like Amir Khan get there. He got slapped by Canelo or... Um, Brooks, who got his face destroyed by Golovkin. Okay, we've seen that happen, you know, deter their careers. But I think at this point, um, Thurman maybe diminished enough, or maybe Thurman is just not that high of level of what, like, Canelo and Triple G were at that time. Because I don't think Thurman is... Well, I say the reason why we're talking about tank fights is because I don't think he's the level of Earl Spence or Terrence Crawford. And it doesn't seem to me like if you make that fight, you can honestly believe that he would win those fights. I just can't see a lot of people, especially the sporting books, get really believing that he wins one of those fights. Now, with him versus Tank, it just seems like the, the numbers will be close. It'll be a really uh, fight that'll be debated about. It'll, it'll bring a lot of attention. And it just... Why was it Barrios? You know what I mean? Like, why Barrios in back-to-back main events for a pay-per-view? It just seems to me like they're building a storyline for Tank Davis. Versus Keith Thurman. Now, Barrios, where does he go with his career? I think it, we, the point is kind of proven that Barrios isn't ever going to be the elite fighter of a weight division. But I do think his style is, you know, it kind of leads to entertaining fights. Um, he's got some skill. I, I, I think that he has some variety now, even though he's coming off two losses. I think he put him on undercards against a guy like Abel Ramos. That's very highly entertaining. Uh, maybe, you know... Um, these up-and-coming guys, you got like Boots, you know, which is would kind of be kind of rough for him, right, to go from Thurman to Boots. I think Abel Ramos, that kind of mid-pack, the guy that beat Abel Ramos, those kind of fights make sense. And I I think that you, you put that money and investment on putting him as like a main event. He has named notoriety. Like if you look at Chris Algieri, he lost to Pacquiao. It's like one of the best things that happened in his career still. It's just because he's a guy that fought Pacquiao. So now every time you put him in, you're like, oh, it's Chris Algieri, the guy that fought Pacquiao, right? He was at that level. Barros has been at that level twice. Now, is he ever going to win at that level? Probably not. It doesn't seem like he has the ability or the you know natural talent to do that. But he could definitely, if you put him against Abel Ramos on an undercard or a pay-per-view or like on a Fox card, I'd definitely be interested in that. I think that's going to be a highly entertaining fight. Maybe we should take a break. For right now, the damage has been, took, uh, has been taken lately. That pay-per-view overall, like let's me touch on some points, is uh, Jesus Ramos looked very good. Looked like a graduation, right, into that next level. Um, I do worry about, like, you know, he's definitely trying to use his boxing skills. I think he's trying to be uh, more slick than really he's capable of, and I don't think it's really effective. And I think that the shots that he was getting landed on was when he was really trying to be slick. And I think that he's going to have to figure out what style at the top level is going to make him the best fighter that he could possibly be. Now, there's definitely, he can box. He's not just, like, some kind of pressure fighter or hard hitter. But I think that the fact of trying to be, like, too slick, I don't know if he has capability of doing that. Like, the natural speed and um, reaction time, right? Reaction, this, the, the being able to react to what the your opponent's off uh, throwing at you. I don't know if he can honestly be able to do that consistently, especially at, like, the top level, the top guys at 154. But... Everything else he does is he's just so damn good that maybe he can like, you know what I mean? Like I don't think he's really good at that, but he got away with it against a 
you know, a credible guy. So that it, it, it he's raising the stock, like for sure. Like I'm, I'm not doubting. Like, oh no, he's actually weak. No, no, he's a very good fighter, and he's gonna be very good. But it's just those little things like that. Maybe they work at a certain level, but I think you're facing a really top guy. You might really make him pay for those kind of mistakes. So, but Jesus Ramos, uh, good performance. Uh, Luis Neri, uh, great performance. I told you that. Uh, well, I don't know the thing there. I broke down the fight. So in my mind, I thought Castro was kind of, you know. The perfect fight for Neri, right? Because Castro gave Neri everything he wanted. The problem with Neri is like when a fighter adds range, he adds movement, um, especially when he or like when he runs a brand Figueroa who's like doing the exact style he wants and exact war he wants, but it's just like way oversized to him, right? The, the brand Figueroa hits hard, he is active, and he's way bigger than Neri. Like he just was, it was just rock, just going straight through the paper. You know what I mean? Like it was just not. There's nothing he was gonna do to really be able to withstand what Brandon Figueroa was doing and to break Brandon Figueroa. But what guy like Castro is he, he gives him everything he wants and he doesn't have, you know, that one shot power or he doesn't have the size, the massive size advantage. Even though he's taller, he's like not as filled. It's like what Brandon Figueroa was. And he just gave nearly everything he wanted. Nearly didn't have to search for his game. He could just supply his game because that's what Castro was giving him. So Neri has a great, uh, you know, great performance for that, and you know he only has the one loss to Brandon Figueroa, which I think by everyone is pretty much forgivable because Brandon Figueroa was a great fighter. It's like you know, like okay, you fight, you fight the top guys, you're bound to lose some. I think that depending on his matchups, right? Like I would love to see him against um, Risalim, uh, Leo. I would love to see him in those fights. I don't think he should jump up to. Uh, Fulton next, I think don't think believe he is. As uh, if you listen to Chicken Talk today, Danny Roman said that he's in negotiations to fight Fulton, which is an excellent fight, and Danny Roman deserves it. But Luis Neri is going to be very interesting going forward. Uh, there was another fight on the undercard. I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, Luis, Leo Santa Cruz, and Leo Santa Cruz does what Leo Santa Cruz does, right? He tune up goes rounds on a tune up. At one twenty six, at one thirty, he has no pop. Like he is, his power is just not showing up. Um, he looks good; he's growing to the weight well, but he just doesn't have the power. And he is skilled, and he could win a lot of fights like this. But I think at the highest level, he, he's gonna need his shots to mean something at some point. I think if a uh, move back down on one twenty six, where he's able to fight Moxile, I think is an excellent fight for Moxile and for Leo Santa Cruz. Now, I do believe that Gary Russell is deserved a rematch in that fight, especially because his arm fell apart in the middle of it. But he might be out for a while because of his arm. If Leo Santa Cruz can be, can be the middle ground uh, before that uh, Gary Russell comes back, then I'm okay with that, him fighting Max Isle. And then the winner fight Gary Russell Jr., right? Because Gary Russell comes back and has Leo Santa Cruz or Max Isle rematch. Those are great fights. That's exactly what they, we should be doing in divisions. And I would recognize the winner of that to be like the legit champ. Of that weight class, right? If Leo Santa Cruz fights Mexico and whoever wins out of that, then goes to fight uh, Gary Russell, whether it's a rematch or just a branded fight with Luke versus Leo Santa Cruz, I would recognize that guy as the legit champ for 126 pounds. Okay, so let's go to the next fight. And we have a next card, and that was on the zone. We have Carlos Cuadras versus Bam Rodriguez. And Bam Rodriguez was a surprise entry into this fight. Uh, late replacement, and he was coming from 108 pounds to 115, and he was the you know a, t- a top prospect. A lot of guys, a lot of people considered him like 
possibly a chance of being prospect of the year, if not last year, this year. And he just jumps right into the title picture against Quadros for the WBC belt. And Quadros is a veteran, maybe not the, you know, doesn't have the massive win to, like, solidify his spot as, like, one of the, you know, the championship contenders, like, with, uh, or just, like, one of the elite guys in the weight class, like, with Estrada, Chocolatito, and uh, um, Sor Rungvisai. Who he actually has a win over so wrong or so wrong beside, and that's why this rematch was gonna happen. It was kind of people were looking forward to it, right? It would have been a great fight. But then Bam comes in and it's like you gotta give credit to Matro for getting that um getting that fight together on a short notice, especially Bam on the undercard and willing to go up to that weight class. And Bam looks amazing, right? Now he's not saying that he didn't have a tough fight, definitely a tough fight, and Carlos Guadras uh didn't fight the weight that I really thought. I thought he was going to be on his bicycle more. But no, he seemed like to say, hey, I'm the guy that this weight class, this is my weight class. I'm, I'm going to stand my ground. And he lost that. He, he lost that fight. And if I knew if I known he had, was going to fight that way, I, I definitely, I had Bam anyways. But I would have took Bam, you know, to, to stop him. Now, Bam didn't stop him. Quadras was tough in there. And he, he had some success himself. But Bam clearly won the fight and clearly showed his level of talent and skill. Now the whole point is, where does Bam go from here? Because he has, first of all, like three weight classes that are options for him. But also he's, you know, actually holds a, you know, a form of a legitimate belt. What, legit, when I say legitimate, what the hell's legitimate with these belts? Nothing's legitimate with these belts, but he holds a belt. Uh, that's not a franchise belt, that's the actual WBC belt. So he have a mandatory, or he could fight someone on his side, or he could fight Estrada. He's on the right side of the street. All these matchups are there. For him, so he's in a really good spot, and he's a really good spot for boxing. It's like he's young, he's ready to go with all these guys. He passed the test, and now you just like seems like we're just about to get blessed with 115 pound fights to 118 pound fights. Hopefully, 118 pound kind of get it together. The 122, the little guys are about to, you know, just explode with great matchups, and I'm really excited to see him. I think Bam winning uh, in Quadras passing the torch. To a guy like Bam, or you know, at least putting him over, is uh, it's an amazing thing for boxing, and it's, he's gonna be a fun guy to watch, especially if you get matchups like you know, like say Julio Cesar Martinez just knocks out Chocolatito, right? Like, who wouldn't want to see these two guys fight? Like, that's a great fight, it's an excellent fight, that's an all action fight, or Estrada versus him, or like you know, the rumors that uh, Estrada's gonna fight Donair. Now, I know some people probably be pissed about that, I actually think that's pretty damn interesting. I would love to see that fight. But Bam gets the win, and he's gonna have uh, you know a lot of options, especially if even if he's open and going down back in weight, which he should be because all his weights are about two pounds away from each other. Let's go to the UFC card. He had Sean Strickland versus Jack Hermanson, and um, kind of played out exactly how I thought it would. I just knew that Sean Strickland's straight shots would be really effective, and Jack Hermanson kind of needed to get to the body, right? And when you need, when you use like more of a Greco-Roman style, you kind of have to have a way to get in and uh, you can't take all that damage. I mean, you have to have a hell of a chin to be able to take all that damage and uh, get to the body to hold it. And especially a guy like Strickland who has a very underrated jab, a very good jab, a very like hard jab to read. And Strick, uh, Hermansen just wasn't, able to get to the legs, he was trying to get to the body, even when he gets to clinch him against the fence, I thought he would have a little more success or be able to hold on there longer, and he couldn't, and uh, Sean Strickland looked very good in that fight, now Sean Strickland 
could be very detrimental to his own career, right? As long as he keeps talking, he, he says, uh, I don't think he's a dumb guy either. I think he's smart, but I think he's, uh, I think he's a little bit crazy, right? Like a little bit, I don't know, off or just, I don't know. Something seems to be missing. And I'm so curious, like, how this continues to go, right? How does this continue to go? I talked about a lot last podcast. Like, he, you know, he says, he, he doesn't feel like he's saying anything wrong. So it comes off as, you know, nice, loose, and easy. But especially in a time when Joe Rogan's uh, in trouble for things he said. Uh, you know, a lot of guys, it, the culture that we're living in right now, um, whether you agree with it or not, it's, uh, you know, you, you can't just go and just start spouting things. And especially if it could be uh, deemed as hate or deemed as, uh, you know, looking at a certain part of our society, like, negatively. Um, and I'm just curious, Sean Strickland, who, you know, really could be next in line for title. And I understand that people think that Cannoneer and Brunson, but how hard, hard, I find it hard to believe that Brunson beats Cannoneer, that they'll give him the title shot next. I really think they're going to make Brunson earn this because, first of all, he's not going to be, like, the easiest sound to, you know, fight Adesanya, especially because he got smoked when they fought before. But also because he's fought Adesanya before and he got smoked. <laughs> but I just don't think they believe that, you know, really in the Brunson against Natasha. I think they'll, if he gets another one, maybe pass this. I find it hard to believe. So let's see, Kennedy versus Brunson. Let's see how that plays out. But I think Strickland could sneak into a title shot here. I really do. With a fresh opponent, uh, a fresh face, a fresh style. Now, if he fought Adesanya, could he have success? Now, we've seen Adesanya struggle with guys that just kind of try to box him. But the thing with the Strickland is he's kind of planted and he's straight leg. And I just think Adesanya might just tear up his legs. So that would be, I'd be very interested to see how Strickland would look to counter that. Because it's definitely just like the straight leg style and walking legs forward. He's just, Adesanya just chops that up usually. But if he could somehow find a way to deter that and his jab can get going in the range... Cause some problems for us. I think this might be a really interesting fight. Let's see. If we get to that. That's curious to see how they match him up. I see a lot of people saying he'll face the winner of Brunson uh, Cannonier. Maybe um, I can see that, but I think you might be surprised by the next opponent. I really, do. I really, really, really do. And that's 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 all that the show this week. I think I guess I could talk about and I talked about this on uh, Broadway Joe's podcast. Check it out on YouTube, Broadway Joe. That's J O E L. I talked about this on Chicken Talk, and I got I got a few people pissed at me, a few people heated, and it was the whole Devin Haney situation. And I guess um, I feel like I've been talking about this all day, and just kind of like being a dead horse now at this point. But Devin Haney is doesn't seem to be getting the title shot against Kembosos, and uh, this is something that I'm not surprised in because I uh, about because I definitely called this, and I called this as soon as Kembosos won that Ryan Garcia was always going to really be the number one option because. In everyone's mind, Ryan Garcia is like the most vulnerable. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. But people think that. And they want to fight him because they feel like, first of all, he's, he's the second biggest payday behind fighting Tank. He's vulnerable. He raises your your um, notoriety when you fight him, right? Raises the um, the eyeballs that are looking at you. And the Devin Haney fight's not going anywhere. And DAZN was never gonna pay for Devin over was never gonna pay more for a Devin Haney fight than they were for a Ryan Garcia fight. Now you may have your reasons on why that's happening, and uh, people have reasons. And I, I, mean, I hear them out, and it's some are good, right? Or there's at least some logic to what they're saying. But I think really, when it comes down to, it, it's just money, right? It's just 
Ryan Garcia is a bigger star than Devin Haney, and Ryan Garcia could demand more money against Cambosos, right? Or maybe, you know, he's going to generate more money. Like, it's just, it's easy as that. It's just like looking at Cambosos versus Devin Haney, just owns like what generates most more money. And it's Ryan Garcia versus Cambosos, right? And if you got Cambosos versus Devin Haney, which is a good fight, if Ryan Garcia wasn't in the picture, I'm sure Dazone would have paid for it. But they're probably going to pay for that in a loss. You got to understand that Devin Haney is one of the you know, best paid 135ers in the game. And he's done, he's got paid that without really fighting that many credible opponents. And them kind of having to, you know, overpay his opponents to, to get in the ring with him. And they could do that, right? That's in their budget. And I, I think that, uh, you know, someone was telling me, it's a, it's a good point. You know I mean? They're given a budget for the year. So they know when they pay him, you can't say like, oh, they're overpaying him because they're putting it in their budget. They know what their budget can handle. But the truth is, is that he's kind of maxed out on his pay right now because he hasn't done anything really in the ring or his personality to raise him to that next level, right, of superstar, right? That next level of star, at least. And I think that zone is thinking like, hey, I could pay you what we've been paying you, but to ask for more, we just don't have it, especially when Campos asking for it, like probably his biggest payday. And I believe that's where this fight fell apart is they gave the offer to Haney probably his minimum. And Campos you know, whatever they offered him. And when it went to Ryan, and they're just looking at his business side of it, right? That Ryan just is going to generate more money. So they can offer more money for that fight. Now, does Evan Haney, Devin Haney deserve this fight? Like, if we're just talking boxing terms. I think he does. Devin Haney has called out literally everyone. And... And I really think he means he's not just a guy just talking. I think he will really legitimately fight anyone. And no one has really wanted to fight him. Now, I think a lot of it has to do with, like, he doesn't sell. Like, if you're Tank, right? And Allerby already said this. Like, you know, the money's just not there. The interest isn't there for David Haney. It's fine when Allerby says it for some reason. But if I say it, it's, like, pretty insane. But that, that's just the truth, right? We could, You can kind of just see it. And Ryan Garcia, you know, doesn't really need David Haney right now. He kind of doesn't really need Cambosos, if you ask me. Like, he could have fought... Jojo Diaz, or he could have fought uh, any number of guys, and still, you know, he's fighting uh, Tago, right, who, you know, it's not a big name, obviously, and uh, not known around here, and it's not, you know, opponent that people get excited about, but I guarantee Ryan Garcia does pretty good numbers in that fight. And so that's just the game, right? It's just like the business side of it. But I do think Ryan, I do think Devin Haney deserves that fight. I'm just boxing terms, right? He's beating everyone in front of him. And he's called out everyone and been more willing to fight everyone. So I, w- I wish he would get the fight. But business-wise, what am I supposed to play a front that, that, you know, that that part doesn't exist in boxing? I'm not going to do that. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Ezra Podcast.